What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Critics Corner Podcast. I'm William Locke, and joining me as he does every week for our college football podcast this season is Joe Sieben. Joe, week three is in the books. We're heading into an absolutely loaded week four slate. How are you feeling? Feeling good. I mean, week three was, uh, you know, not as hyped as other weeks, but lucky for me, Colorado is the big game versus Colorado State. And this week four slate is, it's just loaded from top to bottom. There's so many games that would have been your know, game of the week this past week. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll recap past week three and, and all things Colorado and then jump into week four. Yeah. And week three, while, you know, it wasn't hyped up, there were some interesting games and, you know, obviously a few upset scares in there. Florida State almost losing to Boston College um, and, and Georgia down four, 14 to three at half against South Carolina, and, and they were able to turn it around in the second half. But um, and then also, I mean, Alabama, you know, tied with USF 3 3 for most of that game. So we'll talk about all of those, um, as well as the double OT Colorado thriller, uh, the Florida Tennessee game, um, Mizzou, nice little upset win for, for the Tigers. Um, quick LSU talk, Joe, I know you have a fun trip planned this weekend, so we can kind of talk about that. Uh, and then, you know, some other week three games just to, to round out that slate and kind of, you know, get you guys situated as we head into to week four, like which you know, we talked about loaded. Uh, we got Notre Dame, Ohio State, Washington State, Oregon State, UCLA versus Utah, Penn State versus Iowa, and the list goes on and on. Ole Miss, Alabama. So we'll break all those down. We'll give our weekly picks, um, you know, upsets under the radar games, locks of the week, et cetera, et cetera, and get you guys situated and set for another really fun week of college football. Um, so, you know, really excited for that. But let's let's take it back all the way to early Sunday morning. This game ended about 2.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. I stayed up to watch the whole thing. Luckily, I'm on Central Time, so it was a little bit earlier. Colorado pulls it out against Colorado State, 43-35 to 35 in double overtime. Shadra Sanders led a 98-yard drive to send this thing into overtime. Joe, I mean, obviously, you know, there was a lot of off-the-field buzz heading into this game, but the on-the-field product certainly delivered. And we got, I mean, it was like the highest-rated game of the weekend, one of the most-watched games in the history of ESPN college football. What what were your main takeaways from this game? How do you feel about, about the Buffs heading into their huge showdown at Oregon this Saturday? I mean, can you think about 12 months ago, if, if somebody had told you you'd be staying up till 1, 2 in the morning to be watching the Colorado Buffaloes play CSU on a Saturday night? I mean, that's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I I mean, they won one game last year, so there's no, yeah. no way I would have thought that I would have been doing that. What a, what a game, though. I mean, clearly that, I mean, it became the marquee game of the week three slate. There were, what, 24 and a half point favorites. Um, So much hype. You know, there's a back and forth between Jay Norval and, and Dion before the game about you know, sunglasses, taking your hat off, all that good stuff. Dion made, it sounds like a couple million bucks just selling shades this past week from from all that drama and that fiasco. But, I mean, luckily for the viewers, there was a big favorite, but the underdogs came to play. I mean, Colorado State was out there swinging. You know, they, they, made, they were literally swinging. <laughs> yeah, it was, I mean, that was one of the chippiest games I can recall in a while. Like, especially for a non-SEC game, like, there was so much, uh, almost like hatred between the two schools. And, and Colorado is a way bigger school. It's clearly the favorite. There are you know, three touchdown plus favorites, but Colorado State just just had this you know persona about them. They they came out with nothing to lose. You know, the quarterback, the freshman, Fowler Nicolosi, I mean, he was kind of dialed in. The wideouts were there. I mean, they're playing chippy. And 
you just had that feeling in the back of your mind, though, is, is Colorado really going to lose this? Is Dion going to go down and that crazy drive by Shadur at the end of the game? I mean, just ices his veins, gets the two-point conversion. And in double OT, you know, to end regulation, there was about two minutes left. Colorado stayed at about a fourth and two around like the 40, 45 yard line. One thought they should have gone for it there because mm-hmm. I know mm-hmm. they pinned him deep, 98 yards, but I mean, Shadur just led him down that field just like that. And then in the first overtime, after Colorado scored first, I thought Colorado State, when they scored, should have gone for two again because it was yeah. like they couldn't stop Colorado at that point. Yeah. So I thought they had chances to be even gutsier at the end of the game. But, I mean, hats off to them for one. I mean, covering the spread, they almost won it too. They had a couple chances. But, I mean, what a game for the viewers. Yeah, I, I was on Colorado State plus 24 in this one, so felt good about that the entire game. Um, yeah, I thought Colorado State lost this game more than than Colorado won it. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned that fourth and two. I thought uh, Fowler Nicolosi looked really good, but he did throw three interceptions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, a couple bad pad throws in the fourth quarter um, that kind of hurt him. Um, Shiloh and, Sanders pick six. Yeah, Shiloh Sanders pick six, and you know, like they they could not stop Colorado in, in the second half. You know, in the first half, Shadur Sanders was was wasn't really in sync with. Uh, with his receivers, I think that Travis Hunter injury uh, maybe threw through the vibe off. And honestly, I don't think they expected Colorado State to come out with with as much oomph as they did. Maybe there was a little bit of arrogance from Colorado heading into this game. Mm-hmm. They beat two f- power five opponents coming into this one, and and now they're playing a Colorado State team that they were favored by twenty four points again uh, against. And uh, maybe they they took them a little bit lightly. Also, you had the the look ahead effect of, of that Oregon game this weekend. Uh, when when push comes to shove, I'm glad that Colorado won this game just because you know it sets up an undefeated matchup at in, in Eugene this weekend that will be you know just another great game in a loaded slate. Uh, I think it, it, you know if they lost to Colorado State at home, it, it would that game would have lost you know a little bit of um, its intrigue. And I, you know, so that was kind of on the field takes. Off the field, we had the whole Jane Ravel thing. Obviously, I, I wish people got more, or people asked him more of to to kind of explain his his uh, his comments on Tuesday or whatever day it was. Whereas instead, we kind of just heard the Dion side and his response, but we never got uh, Jane. Uh, they never got Jane Ravel to kind of clarify what he was saying there. Uh, and then you know, obviously, they had big noon kickoff, college game day, uh, sixty minutes. You know, The Rock, Lil Wayne, all these famous Dude, people. Kawhi was there. The who? Kawhi. Kawhi. Yeah, like, you know, Trans- I Nancy saw Phillips, like, Kyle Lowry, like, just random offset was there. Like, I think to your point of, I think they took CSU a little lightly at the beginning. They came out, you know, thinking they were going to play like 24 point favorites and all this hype and all these celebrities cheering them on and everything. They, I mean, credit to Colorado State, they came out swinging and Colorado just wasn't ready for them, I think, at the beginning of the game. Yeah, and um, I mean, I saw a tweet that said, like, the Clippers can't even get Kawhi out of his house. <laughs> Kawhi doesn't even go to his own games. <laughs> so the fact that he was out there in Boulder, yeah, I mean, Boulder, that's, it's the place to be right now. Um, so, yeah, definitely a look-ahead spot for them. Um, but I'm glad, ultimately, they got it done. 3-0, I mean, their, their over-under win total for the season was 3.5. So, you know, all they got to do is beat, like, Arizona, and, and they'll be at that uh, at that mark. Um, it, Tough it, games. I mean, going at Oregon, yeah. USC at home, but they're going to be without Travis Hunter, it sounds like, for both of those games. So, I mean, it's going to be tough to win. 
just one of those teams, I think, at this point. I mean, Oregon's rolling. USC is even better, I think. So going one and one in those would be a pretty good outcome, in my opinion, for them. Agreed. They're they're 21 and a half dogs against Oregon, which, Ooh. I mean, coincidentally enough, they were like 21-point dogs against TCU. So they've been in that situation this season. Yep. So it's not something that they haven't seen. Yeah, Travis Hunter out for, for three weeks with that rib injury. Dirty hit. Uh, unnecessary hit. Uh, I mean, I saw the guy that made the hit is getting death threats, which is also just dis- disgraceful. Like, there's, it's just a game, guys. Like, you know, we, we we should move on. I thought Travis Hunter did a good job handling it. He does like live streams, um, mm-hmm. and, and he was very mature about it. But you know, he's their best receiver by a small margin, but he's their best corner by a large margin. Um, so that they'll miss him on defense. I think just long term with Colorado, they really need to improve their lines. I, I thought their O line was really poor against Colorado State, kind of got pushed around and, and same with their D line. You know, Fowler Nicolosi really had a lot of time to sit back there and, and dissect uh the Colorado defense with those crossing routes. I mean, they were just running crossing routes and, and mm-hmm. having a lot of success. So a lot of adjustments to be made from Colorado, you know, week to week and, and then also year to year, but they're in their infancy as a program. I'll be very curious to see just how long Dion stays there. You know, I'm sure there's gonna be a lot of uh, bigger name programs barking at his door at the end of this year, at the end of next year. So um, that remains to be seen, but still a, a really fun game nonetheless. Yeah, crazy game. And to the head, I mean, cheap shot for sure in the head. There were cheap shots on, on both sides. But, um, you know, I thought you know, Travis Hunter and Dion himself too were like, hey, like that's football stuff happens. Like not a great hit, but, you know, he didn't mean to hurt him. And, you know, there's the stuff off the field for him is, you know, can't have that. But, I mean – Again, like I've said, what a game for the viewers. I mean, I think you said at the beginning it was like a top five, you know, viewed game of, of all time for like regular season. Um, awesome. And we'll, we'll see if that rivalry continues. You know, if Deion sticks yeah. around and CSU keep up. I mean, they're in the Mountain West, so they're not going to be favorites. But, I mean, they, they played neck and neck with them. I wonder if it was this intense in previous years. You know, obviously there was so much hype around it this year. I, there's no way, I mean, it was, it, it was this intense before. Maybe Maybe amongst like – people that go to those schools but on the football field because didn't they usually play that game in the bronco stadium and it was always like yeah they played at mile high a few times so i think between the players like it's definitely chippy but i mean there's never been this probably like ever this much hype around a colorado and colorado state game at the same time playing each other so this was unprecedented i felt like for boulder yeah and i mean this whole season's been unprecedented for them so um yeah another another win for for the buffs uh, perhaps the most impactful game in terms of the college football playoff this past weekend was, was the Florida-Tennessee game. Florida gets it done. They handily beat Tennessee 29-16. The score doesn't really tell the whole story. Uh, Tennessee has still not won a game in Gainesville since 2003. I was five years old at that time, so that just showed I'm 25 now. So uh, 20 years, um, it's been it's been a long time. Uh, Trevor Antienne, Florida running back, Two, uh, 172 yards, uh, average 7.5 yards per carry on 23 attempts. And that's kind of the main takeaway for me when this, from this game is Florida dominated the line of scrimmage, especially, um, you know, with their offensive line, but, but also defensively, um, they had terrific pass coverage. Uh, Tennessee had a lot of boneheaded penalties, five false starts, uh, borderline fight at the end there. Um, just an, just an ugly game for the balls. And, you know, it kind of leaves you with a lot of question marks, heading forward for this team. I mean, you'd think they have to, they were, they were sleepers for the, for the playoff heading into the season. And um, now it kind of feels like they're going to have to run the table the rest of the way to, to have a chance. 
Tough loss. People followed along last week. I was on Tennessee heavy. I thought I had a good line. Yep. Line was like down to like four points, I think, at kickoff. So I was riding Tennessee heavy. I was like, hey, but Vegas knows, man. Somehow Vegas knows. And, and Florida at the Swamp, man, can never discredit them. And they came out start to finish. Just They beat them. They beat them. It wasn't really close. Final score makes it look a little bit closer. But, I mean, they controlled this game. They controlled the line of scrimmage. Trevor Etienne, I mean, he was running wild. So, I mean, tough game. Like, Joe Melton was was fine, but not 100% there. And you know, they had some some uh, some costly mistakes. And then, yeah, they squared up at the end of the game. <laughs> so, I think a couple of those guys are out for the first half next week. But, you know, Tennessee's not who we thought they were, I think, in terms of hype this season. And yeah. Florida's not as bad as, you know, they look. They might be a little underrated now. So, we'll see because if they get down in the game, it's going to be how far can Graham Mertz take them. But, Trevor Etienne, this ground game, controlling the line of scrimmage. I mean, they showed that they can play, especially at home at the Swamp. And, you know, that Utah loss for Tennessee or for um, for Florida might not look as bad now with, with mm-hmm. Utah going 3-0 and uh, with their backup quarterbacks. Um, so, yeah, certainly. Uh, I, I think Tennessee, you know, feels the loss of Jalen Hyatt and Hendon, uh, Jalen Hyatt and, and, and Hendon Hooker on offense. They just don't have the weapons that they did last season. Joe Bills is fine. But I, I don't think Joe Milton is, is as good as Hendon Hooker was for the Vols last season. Uh, Joe Milton threw his first interception since November of 2020 against Wisconsin when he was at Michigan. Any Michigan fan re- will remember that game. We got absolutely destroyed. And um, it was kind of the low point of, of the program. Um, and it's it's been all uphill since then. But, uh, yeah, very interesting game. Florida was up 26-7 to in this one. Um, and yeah, it, it was never really close. So Florida continues to own this rivalry. Tennessee has a lot of question marks moving forward as a program. You know, where where do they go? Are they going to continue to ride that high that uh, of the 2022 season, or is it going to kind of be back to reality, back to those eight and four, nine and three at best seasons for Tennessee, where they're not really pushing for the playoff and, and maybe you know pushing for like the Outback Bowl, one of those better New Year's Day bowls, uh, but. And this was uh, on the Florida side. This was a needed win um, for mm-hmm. for the regime there, um, and, and uh, Billy Napier needed this one. Yeah, big win for Billy Napier is the biggest thing I think. Gives them some confidence going in the next few weeks, going to SEC play as they dig deeper into there, and they got a chance in these games if they play like that, and especially at home. Like I said, you know, it's anybody's ball game. Tennessee got to bounce back these next couple of weeks. It's going to be a dogfight in the SEC, and if they play like that. Um, it's going to be tough. It's going to be. You know, versus some of these other teams, I don't know their schedule pulled up, but um, like I said, the hype's just not there. The team's not the same as last year. They haven't that same magic, so we'll see what happens. Yeah, they so they play Bama this year. They're going down to Tuscaloosa. Obviously, mm-hmm. that one was in uh, Knoxville last year. Yeah. Uh, they, they got UTSA this week. Um, they're home for South Carolina and, and A&M. You'd expect them to win those games. Um, going to Kentucky. They got at Missouri, which we'll get into Missouri later. They could be a sleeper in the SEC this year. And, and the game that I had circled all season, November 18th at home against Georgia, who knows what Tennessee could look like by then. That was kind of the one game that I had circled that Georgia might have trouble with. Um, but if Tennessee plays like they did last night against Georgia, they're, they're going to lose by 30 to 40 points. And, and I know Georgia didn't look great this weekend against South Carolina, but I, I think ultimately they'll, they'll turn this thing around. Um, so if you're a Tennessee fan... I you you're, you got a feeling you, you you got a feeling of impending doom, honestly. Um, this season, you're you're getting nervous about the old times coming back around. So yeah. we'll see what happens. But yeah, I mean, I was 
I was right in Tennessee before the game, so tough loss. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, your hot streak finally ended, but um, it's still early, so we can we, you can turn it around. I mean, continuing on the SEC theme here, Alabama squeaking one out in South Florida, uh, seventeen to three. This game was locked at three to three for for most of the third quarter. Uh, lightning delay early on, um, but that's not really an excuse. Alabama should be beating this USF team way better or way more handily than they did. Uh, I mean, USF's four and twenty nine in the past three seasons. Uh, obviously, the story of this game heading out of it was. Alabama has a has an issue at quarterback. You know, Saban started Tyler Buckner, but after five scoreless drives to start the game, he went with redshirt freshman Ty Simpson. Simpson was sacked five times and went five for nine for seventy three yards. So he didn't play much better than than Buckner did. Uh, the O line was, was getting pushed around by a USF team. So many question marks there. Um, but Buckner and Simpson were way worse than Milrow, and Milrow was named the starter on Monday. So do you, do you feel like Milrow's the guy for Bama moving forward and, and and can they turn this thing around this season? I think by process of elimination, he became the guy, but it's not who they want. Like I said this on the college football preview a few weeks back. I said, this is unsaving like to not have a starter going to the year. And when you don't have, when you have multiple guys, that means you don't have one guy. So clearly he yep. wasn't their favorite because they waited till the last minute to start him. And then they went to Buckner, and not only did they go to Simpson, like they didn't go to Milrow right after that. He wasn't going to play the whole game, and they're playing that bad. So by process elimination, he's back to starting. And, I mean, Ole Miss, I mean, I, I think Alabama's still a favorite this weekend. They're at home. But Ole Miss is dangerous, and if Milrow's not up to it, you don't have any confidence in the other guys. Seems like there's a short leash, go- leash going on right now. So we'll see. It's not the Alabama of old. I mean, 17-3 to USF. It was like 3-3 in the third quarter. They should have been beating the brakes off of this team. So um, it's just not the Alabama bold. We'll see if they can turn around the rest of the way and, and lean on some some run game, get the wideouts back involved here. But yeah, certainly unsaving like in that week. Yeah, they're going to have to rely on Roydale Williams, the running back. 17 carries, 129 on the ground uh, this past weekend for him. Uh, I think you know offensive coordinator Tommy Reese is, is under a lot of pressure this week. Um, against Ole Miss, and I think you might see Saban start to take more control uh, of the play calling uh, moving forward. Uh, they, apparently, the Bama had a team only meeting. Uh, I think it was either Sunday or t- uh, Monday after this game. So, I mean, if if there's if there's ever a team that you'd bet on to get right, it's it's a Saban led team, and mm-hmm. Ole Miss is a team that you know they did they did lose to Ole Miss two straight years back in I think it was 2014, 2015, but but. Overall, they have kind of dominated that matchup. And I don't know. If this Bama team has any fight, I expect them to to have that home game against Ole Miss on Saturday and, and handle business uh, handedly. Uh, Double-digit win if this Bama team is 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 worth anything. And if, if they aren't, and if this game's close, I think we can write off Bama this season. Yeah, I mean, if they lose this week, that's two two losses already this early in the season. It'd be tough to come back from that. So we'll see. I mean, we'll learn a lot in this game because Ole Miss is quite the team right now, in my opinion. So Bama wins. I think they come back. They got a shot for the rest of the year. They can just slowly take those steps forward. Um, and then on the vice versa, if they lose, you know, it's going to be tough sledding. And Ole Miss then becomes quite the contender. Yeah, and I think there's an interesting long-term conversation just about this Alabama program. I mean, Nick Saban is 71 years old 
he's not going to coach forever. You'd think that he wants to retire and, and enjoy the rest of his life uh, at, at some point here within the next five-ish years. Um, so who, where does this Alabama program go, right? You know, they're at a very interesting crossroads. The past two seasons have been disappointing. Uh, I'm including this year already in that, in that discussion. And I don't know who, who's the Alabama replacement. I, you know, for the longest time it was a Dabo Sweeney conversation, but I, I don't know if, if Dabo really has that kind of buzz around him right now. So who takes over that job? I'm, I'm that, that's, um, you know, that's always been kind of a question that I've thought about and all of college football fans really have is who succeeds Saban at Bama. Where does that program go from there? Uh, so that's kind of just one to maybe keep in, 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 in the back of your mind as we move forward. Uh, Bama long-term future as we watch them this season, because, you know, they might not make the playoff already. You know, it might write them off in that, in that sense, but uh, these games still matter, obviously in terms of playoff. Yes, but more so like just the future of this program. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a different type of recruiting landscape, NIL transfer portals. So we'll see. I mean, Saban, I don't think of the patience as he used to have of, of going through what you might call a rebuild at Alabama, but um, yeah, something to keep an eye on down the road. Yeah. Alabama and the New England Patriots, two football teams that dominated our, our upbringing, our childhood, kind of maybe on the downswing right now. So things change. These things go in, in waves. Um, and, you know, teams don't stay dominant forever. Uh, even though it felt like Alabama was great forever, things change. Mm-hmm. Talk about dominant forever and, and a tough week would be Georgia. Yeah. Freaking it out, 24-14. I don't think I have the receipts and that I said it on the pod last week. But I had it in the notes that I was on South Carolina on the spread. I did not think they would come out that hot in the first half and and have them kind of on the ropes going into halftime. But um, made it difficult. I mean, Georgia came out and dominated the second half, but they're not the Georgia of old. They're not quite as dominant. Like that was that was a ball game for a bit. Yeah, they're not. Georgia is certainly not as dominant as they have been the past two seasons. They might get there. Mm-hmm. I thought. Excuse me. I thought Carson Beck was was solid. Um, he's still kind of coming into his own at quarterback at Georgia. Um, they're still missing their top receiver, Lad McConkey, so they need him back from from injury. But yeah, they they need to be able to beat South Carolina by more than ten points. Uh, you'd expect them to get close to covering the spread. It was like thirty points or something like that heading mm-hmm. into this one. Uh, their their defense teed off on Spencer Rattler in the fourth quarter. Uh, he only went three of nineteen with two picks in, in that quarter. So. Um, the Georgia defense is still going to be elite. I, I wonder why it took them so long to get going uh, against the South Carolina team that heading into this game, I thought they were like, we saw how bad South Carolina's line was against North Carolina. I really thought that Georgia was just going to come out firing and, and getting to Spencer Rattler the entire game. But mm-hmm. They were running a lot of screens and crossers in the first half and it was working for them going to 14, three at half. I, I, I don't know. I had uh, just a little bit of like sense of like, eh, they might win this one. Um, mm-hmm. But um, you know, South Carolina completely shut out in the second half and Georgia kind of showed its class. Um, but I'll be very curious to watch Georgia moving forward. Now they don't really have a schedule that scares you at all. Now, especially if Tennessee is not good. So they could easily go 12 and zero and make the playoff and, and kind of use these games as tune ups and uh, be, you know, it's not about how you're playing in week three. It's about how you're playing in December and January. So this still, this team can still be a juggernaut come, uh, you know, playoff time. Yeah, and I think it's still there. I mean, they came on the second half. They didn't panic. They scored right away. Beck was taking what was there. Defense shut down South Carolina. and uh, They controlled the second half, um, but they were down. So 
maybe playing with their food a little bit in the first half there. But I think they're still, I mean, with their schedule, going to run probably run the table here. But um, yeah, someone might slip them up if they get caught in a trap game. Yeah, I mean, hey, remember last year, Missouri at Missouri, that game, Missouri was leading for, for most of it and Georgia was able to pull it out. And that's a Georgia team that it, it was certainly better than what they have this year. Um, so you never know. I mean, college football can be weird like that. Speaking of Missouri, a massive kind of pseudo rivalry game there. 61 yarders, time expired. Harrison Mavis, longest kick in SEC history. I was kind of surprised by that one, but 61 yards, boots it through. Boots it through. Missouri knocks off K-State. Um, big win for them, the, uh, not in a conference game, but big win to keep rolling in SEC play. Big win for for the conference. We've talked about, you know, last week, kind of the struggles as a whole for them in the non-con. And, you know, Missouri goes at home, big game against a ranked opponent in, in Kansas State, and, and they get it done. Yeah, that was obviously the 61-yard field goal was the highlight of the game. Uh, that was Mevis's 11th career 50 plus yard field goal. So you look for him to, to be in the league soon. He's an NFL kicker and, you know, just having a really good kicker like that makes a huge difference in college football. You know, mm-hmm. Michigan had Jake Moody for so long and now he's with the Niners hit a 57 yarder yesterday uh, or on Sunday. And, uh, you know, he single-handedly won that Illinois game for us last year. So yeah, having a really good college kicker makes a huge difference. Uh, just another shout out to Luther Burden, the, the Missouri receiver. He was a 22 recruit. He actually became their first five-star recruit in seven years. Uh, he went for seven catches, 114 yards, and two tutties. Uh, he already has more receiving yards this year than he did last. Also, Brady Cook, the quarterback, uh, 356 yards and two touchdowns with no picks, was getting booed by the fans um, for whatever reason heading into this game uh, when he was taking the field. Uh, but he looked great for him. And this was a fun one uh, down in, where is Missouri University? Columbia, right? Columbia, Columbia, Missouri? Yeah. So Missouri, we'll get to them a little bit later, but they have a bit of a letdown game against Memphis in St. Louis this weekend. So I know it's a loaded slate, but keep that one circle because both of those teams are three and up. Yeah, sneaky Memphis game. But yeah, big win for Mizzou. Um, so Brady Cook, yeah, didn't really deserve to be getting booed there. I mean, he's been... Not necessarily lighten it up and flashy guy, but he takes what's there. He gets the job done. Massive win. And Harrison Mavis, man, like you said, might pay dividends later in the season. It's going to come down to you know, three points and long field goals at some point again. Yeah, that it, it's fun to see these these programs that usually aren't great, like a Mizzou, finally, finally be good. You know, Missouri really hasn't had any success whatsoever in the SEC. So maybe, who knows, maybe. This year, um, they finally have some success in, in the conference. They got LSU at home. Uh, they travel to Georgia. They have Tennessee and Florida at home as well. So um, if, if Missouri is good, you'd feel a little bit better about, about the conference as a whole moving forward. Um, so nice win for them. And, and like I said, they have Memphis this week, which we'll talk about that game a little bit later in the pod. Another SEC matchup, LSU dominated. Mississippi State, 41-14. This game was never close. Uh, Jane Daniels looked looked apart, 30 for 34, 361 yards, 15 carries for 64 yards, and four total touchdowns. Wide receiver Malik Neighbors, uh, 13 catches, 239 yards, and two tutties. Um, just absolutely loaded. Uh, Harold Perkins pressured the heck out of quarterback Will Rogers, four sacks, four quarterback hurries. And I, I think we will continue to see this LSU team improve throughout the season. And they were your national champion heading in, right? This team can, can still um, 
can still make the college football playoff. And I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, win the SEC West and, and give Georgia a really good game in that title, that SEC title game. I mean, pure domination in Starksville just destroyed Mississippi State start to finish 41 14. We actually got Critics Corner boots on the ground this weekend. Yep. Going down to Bayou, down to Baton Rouge. They got Arkansas and the Hogs coming into town. But, I mean, they're they're getting backfired. They're rolling right now. Jaden Daniels was electric. Malik Neighbors was catching anything in his radius. Um, they're at home. They're like 18-point favorites, I think, right now versus Arkansas, which we'll talk about in a second. Tough loss to BYU. Um, but love the Tigers this weekend. Love that. Going to check out the SEC environment at Death Valley. So can't wait for that one. It's going to be electric down there. But like I said, for the Florida State loss, I mean, just week after week, get better. Take your wins, and we'll see. These games are going to get tougher, but if they run the table, they got a pretty great resume. Yeah, you're getting the the full tour this weekend down in Baton Rouge, getting the, the facility tour. We might have to uh, get some videos up on, on the Critics Corner podcast Instagram story with, with uh, what you got going on. We're getting the facilities. We got the game. We're checking out the town, the bars. So, um, yeah, hoping for a big win for them against the Hogs. We're going to roast some Hogs. Roast some Hogs, yeah. So <laughs> they go Arkansas this weekend. They got at Ole Miss, at Missouri, back-to-back. Those That could be two tough road games. Sneaky uh, stretch. Yeah, they got Bama on the road in November and then Florida at home as well as A&M at home. So, I mean, if, if not, they, easy. not easy, certainly. But if, if this is a playoff team, you win those games and uh, you march forward. But uh, dominant win for the Tigers this weekend. Um, and hopefully they, they, they take care of business against the Hogs this weekend. Speaking of the Hogs, they I didn't watch this one, I'll be honest. Um, but uh, they did. the Hogs lost to BYU 38-31 in Fayetteville over the weekend. Arkansas is kind of another SEC team losing momentum. You know, Speaking of like a Tennessee um, that comes to mind, Our, the Razorbacks are 9-7 and seven since their kind of breakout 9-4 and four 2021 year. And... I don't know. I mean, this was this one. I know BYU's in the Big Twelve now, and I know BYU's got a really good program. Um, but if you're if you're an SEC team of Arkansas's caliber, you kind of expect to be winning those games. Um, so a little bit disappointed by that result. I'll be really curious to see, like, if, if Arkansas can hold their own in in Death Valley this weekend, then maybe I'll have a different opinion of them. But if they get spanked up in, in Baton Rouge, I don't know, man. Um, that program. Might be falling off again. Yeah, tough loss. I thought it was going to be a close game, too. Like, BYU is a sneaky, underrated program in the Big 12. It's another Power 5. Keaton Slovis, vet leader at quarterback. But I thought the deal breaker was going to be Arkansas at home. And, that you know, BYU was just hanging around, kind of controlled the game there, and, and just got it done at the end of the day. So it's a tough loss. It's not a game you want to lose to the Big 12, let alone a newcomer there with BYU. I mean, respectable program. But you then come in an SEC country and territory that you can show them how it's done and, and get the win there. So. Tough one going to tell us you and Baton Rouge now. Is they're gonna get their wheels beaten off again? <laughs> yeah, that's not that's not a fun environment to go play in, um, as we know and you'll experience. Speaking of blowouts, I mean, if you want to take this thing to the to the Big Ten and the Pac-12, Washington dominating Michigan State forty-one to seven. This one was on Peacock, um, and if you were figuring out your login information, the game was over. You missed it. Uh, Washington was up twenty-eight nothing, thirty-five nothing, I believe, in the first half. Um, 713 yards of total offense, didn't allow a single sack. We know, obviously, Michigan State um, has a lot of issues going off, going on off the field at the moment. Uh, they just announced yesterday that they're planning to fire Mel Tucker. Um, so, you know, there's, they're in turmoil. 
but uh, you know, there was still a game to be played and, and Washington looked the part. Michael Penix, four first half touchdowns. He's thrown for 400 plus yards in each of his first three games with eight touchdowns and only one interception. Uh, and, and, you know, we, we often talk about the Heisman being a quarterback award, but specifically being a statistical award. And that's going to help him come, you know, December when we're looking at all of these Heisman contenders. And if, if Washington can, you know, run the table or maybe lose a game, but win the Pac-12, I fully expect him to be in the thick of the Heisman race. And right now, I mean, through four games for some, but three for most, he's he's my Heisman pick. I mean, we knew Washington was good, but these Huskies were different in East Lansing. I mean, they had the student section cleared out like before the first half was over. It was just sad. I mean, obviously with everyone off the field, Michigan State, there's no leadership, it seems like now, but it just didn't come to play. I mean, you think a big time program, you know, they had a couple wins earlier this season that they'd it'd be at least competitive in the game and just an outside chance of being around, getting a play here and there to, to swing the to swing the ball game, but just nothing doing for him. I mean, Washington, not only on the offense, but on the defense just shut him down. So Washington's rolling going into Pac-12 play here. And, you know, Michigan State, we'll see with this Big Ten slate opening up what, what they can do without a head coach now. It's going to be, uh, might be tough sliding for them. Yeah, I, I saw a tweet predicting that Michigan State won't win a game the rest of the way. I don't know about Ooh. that, but I mean, what, they're they're 2-1 and one heading into conference play. They're in the Big Ten East, which is obviously the tougher part of, of the conference. I wouldn't be shocked if it's 4-8, and eight, if it's 5-7. and seven. Um, I, I don't expect them to go six and six and make a bowl game this season, uh, especially because Rutgers is, is sneakily good. So a game that normally would have been would have been an easy win is going to be tough. I don't know if that game's at home or on the road for them this year, but Michigan's got Rutgers this weekend, and I'm, I'm a little bit nervous about it. And it's only a 24 point spread, but Rutgers beat Virginia Tech um, this past weekend, and, and they're no slouches. Greg Schiano, dude, is back building that program up. They're competitive. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, and, and from a Washington perspective, you know they have a really interesting schedule. So most their their, their schedule is loaded in November, so it's very backloaded. They they play Cal in Arizona to close out September. They do have Oregon at home in October. Circle that one; that'll be a lot of fun. But then they go Arizona State and Stanford, two awful teams. Arizona State got blanked at home against Fresno State last weekend. They looked abysmal in the process. Uh, but November, their November is, is brutal. They go at USC November 4th. Then they go home versus Utah. Then they go at Oregon State and home versus Washington State to close things out. So those are all currently ranked teams within the top 21. Uh, I expect both of those teams, you know, they might not all be ranked at that point just because they're all going to play each other. But that's a loaded November. So we're really going to learn about Washington come come championship November yeah, I mean, they should be 5-0 and as September wraps up, and then we'll see that Oregon game and then going into November, uh, but love them. I mean, they're going to be firing all cylinders, hopefully, by that point. And they do have a bye week heading into to that Oregon matchup at home, so that kind of gives them an advantage heading into mm-hmm. that one. But Washington, man, circle that team. I think they could I think they could win it all. And I know Michigan State's really bad, you know, but uh, they're, they're taking care of business so far this season. Yes, sir. Couple last quick ones uh, to round out week three. Texas wins thirty-one ten over Wyoming, a game we had circled as as a sleeper letdown game for the Longhorns. Game was a lot closer than the final score indicates. Uh, Texas really struggled for the first three quarters. It was ten ten heading into the fourth. They ultimately pulled it out. Um, but you know, one thing we talked about Bama struggling earlier in the pod. I mean, maybe that Alabama win isn't as impressive as as it was last week, as we as we potted last week. 
because Bama might not be the Bama that we kind of have been accustomed to. Yeah, I think it was a little bit of a letdown game. Like they put all that energy, effort, the hype after the game, um, all the celebrations after beating Bama, um, going home. And you know, Wyoming's a respectable team this season. They've they've had a couple of good wins to beat Texas Tech, so nothing to to mess around with. And I think they just you know just didn't put the foot in the gas and, and come with that same energy as they did last week. Um, you know, came around in the fourth quarter, got the job done, and controlled that fourth quarter to put them away, but. Um, yeah, they're going to have to buckle up and, and uh, you can't really do that to some of these other teams like Oklahoma late in the season. Yeah, sneaky, fun group of five matchup this weekend. App State versus Wyoming. Wyoming obviously beat Ooh. Texas Tech and, and pushed Texas to the brink, honestly. Uh, and App State took North Carolina, a really good North Carolina team, to double OT. Uh, we're not going to talk about North Carolina, but North Carolina did beat Minnesota pretty handily on Saturday. Any any tough ones? Or, or, or sorry, any takeaways? Uh, from that one as a gopher fan? I mean, Minnesota is just no offense. Yeah. No offense. Kaliak Manis just could not get it done. Just can't get it done. They can run the ball. The defense was step- stepping up. They did as respectable as he could against Drake May, I thought. There was just no capitalization from the offense. He can't be kicking field goals and stuff. And just got out of just got out of the out of hand there for him. There's I mean, simply put, they need a quarterback who can yeah. uh, you know, spread the field and, and take the top off the defense because there was nothing doing. No, no more Tanner Morgan for the Gophers. They got Michigan at home here uh, in a few weeks. I don't know. Hey, we'll see. <laughs> they're figuring out a quarterback. And they're going to have to put up points against JJ. So, I mean, I think they'll be respectable and the defense will play well. But, I mean, you can't put up points. You're not going to win. Yeah, and hey, JJ looked rough this weekend. Uh, three picks for him. So, hopefully Harbaugh's back this weekend. Hopefully that makes a big difference. Hopefully they can, can turn it around. I mean, Michigan's 3-0, but you know what I'm saying. They, they struggled for a bit against Bowling Green, so hopefully Michigan can turn around. Hopefully Minnesota can turn it around for your sake. Mm-hmm. And then the last quick one, uh, to round out week three, Oklahoma State got spanked at home against South Alabama, 33-7. to They're running the three-quarterback thing. Mike Gunny refuses to kind of use the transfer portal. I mean, when your starting quarterback, Spencer Sanders, decides to leave the program to go be a backup at Ole Miss, that kind of tells you something. So Oklahoma State, a once proud program, they were in the Fiesta Bowl a few years ago against Notre Dame, getting, I mean, worked against a group of five team. And South South Alabama is a really good program, but at home, thirty three to seven, that's a tough look for the Cowboys. What the heck was that game, dude? Oklahoma State wasn't that bad last year. Like, I mean, that's embarrassing. That's embarrassing losing to a group of five team that bad at home. At home, I mean, just they couldn't do anything. So. Yeah, I, I don't know. That's I didn't even think they were that bad the first couple weeks of the season. So this is I mean, I was shocked by that one. I think the line when I saw it before the game was really close and it's like, oh, it looks like, you know, South Alabama's a little bit better than I thought, but wow, that is they better turn something around because you can't be doing that in, in the Big Twelve. And there's a big one this weekend between two struggling Big Twelve teams, Oklahoma State and Iowa State. Iowa State lost uh to Ohio over the weekend and Brutal. Matt Campbell Iowa State coach was two years ago, two coaching cycles ago was the talk. You know, the Bears were rumored to get him. Michigan maybe wanted to get him to replace Harbaugh, and his stock could not be lower. So tough luck for two two Big 12 teams there. Tough, tough loss. But, yeah, let's roll clones this weekend. Let's get him back on the winning column. Yes, sir. All right. Week four, this Saturday, September, September 23rd, Best college football slate of the year so far, obviously. Uh, maybe for the entire season. Um, and we're going to preview it here. 
Joe, what is your game of the week? I think it's obvious, but there are a lot of good ones to mention. But what's your what's your pick? The obvious game of the week is Ohio State at Notre Dame. But there's tons to pick from. And just for the sake of doing multiple games, I did pick a different one. You go a lot of different routes, a lot of different conferences, different matchups, home versus away. But the one I'll talk about is number 24, sneaking into the top 25, going to Happy Valley, Penn State versus Iowa. Penn State is a 14.5-point favorite. They they controlled Illinois this past week, but got going a little bit slowly, but came around and, and won that game handily at the end. They're both 3-0. Pretty funny. I think I said it a couple times this year, but uh, Kirk Ferentz's son, Brian, is the OC at Iowa. He's got to average like 25 points or something like that. They went for a touchdown on fourth down when they're up like 34 to 10 with like 50 seconds left at home versus Western Michigan to cash not only the the spread for them, but I think they're keeping an eye on his average. I'm yeah. going to be honest. They're 3-0, but that, that was a weird move. I, that I was, was weird. I was on the Iowa minus 28 and a half in that game, <laughs> so I was really happy that they scored that touchdown. <laughs> Um, but I think I think it's a sneaky game. Like Drew Aller, um, big primetime game for them. This Penn State running rushing attack, they control the line of the scrimmage. It's over. I mean, Katrin Allen, Nick Singleton, yeah. they've actually got their third string Trey Potts, who was a starter at Minnesota last year, transferred back to be closer to family. But those three guys pounding the rock, sharing the ball, if they can control the line of scrimmage, almost play Iowa's game essentially and put pressure on Kate McNamara, take away you know, the rushing attack and and uh, make him beat you, essentially. I mean, I like Penn State in this game. I think it's a sneaky matchup, though. Like, I was 3-0. They're rolling. Um, they always play great defense. So I think it's going to be on um, Iowa. It's going to be the line of scrimmage battle here. If Iowa can yep. shut down the rushing attack at Penn State, put it on Duraller to show up and be that five-star quarterback, and, you know, back on the Iowa side, if they can shut down the Iowa rushing attack, see if Kid McNamara can play – probably his best game ever, you know, in Happy Valley in a crazy environment. This game's at 6.30 at night on CBS. It's going to be hopping in that stadium. It's going to be a very tough environment. Um, so I like Penn State, but a sneaky matchup for the Hawkeyes going in there looking to cause chaos. Yeah, if if you're Iowa, I mean, this is why you go out and get Cade McNamara. So, and if you're Cade McNamara, this is why you go to Iowa. It's games like this, right? You know, they don't really have any other big games on their schedule this year besides the Wisconsin game. If if they, I mean, if they want to be outsiders in, in the college football playoff, this is a game you win. If you want to win the Big Ten this year, you know this this counts toward the Big Ten standings, whether you like it or not. It's a tough draw uh, for your East opponent, but it's the whiteout at Penn State. If you want to win the Big Ten West, you, you're going to want to try to win this game, obviously. Uh, so huge one for Iowa. Uh, obviously, yeah, the story is, is the line of scrimmage and, and that Penn State rushing attack. Uh, obviously you, you mentioned the running backs. They also have the, you know, Ali Fashanu, the, the offensive tackle. He's actually one of my players to watch this week. He's going to be a top five pick. He, he's the best offensive in, in this year's draft. Um, and, and he's, he's a, he's a big man and he, he leads the way for those two backs. So, you know, pair him with those, with the, that rushing attack. It's elite. Uh, I was concerned a little bit with their struggles against an, an, an Illinois team that is, is really bad. Uh, Altmer, the, Luke Altmer, the quarterback for Illinois, threw like three, four picks in that game. Uh, and they were still kind of hanging around in it. So uh, curious with that one. It's going to come down to coaching as well. Kirk Ferentz versus James Franklin. Uh, James Franklin, you know, obviously heavy, heavily ridiculed. He, he's going to need to win this one big uh, to, to inspire confidence in that fan base. 
Um, but yeah, I, Drew Aller, his first his first real test, I'd say, as starting quarterback at Penn State. Yeah, 100%. And, and looking at Iowa's schedule, this is the hardest game they'll play all year. If they win this, they very well could run the table. They'll be favorites in every other game they play this season. Um, but, you know, it's, it's James Franklin, got to beat Iowa. Got to beat Iowa going up against Ohio State, Michigan, and those guys later in the year. You have to beat Iowa and, and get Drew Aller ready for even bigger games. Because so maybe Iowa's biggest game of the year, but this is not Penn State. So he needs to win this one. And I'm really glad that Penn State scheduled this game or i don't know if they scheduled it or the tv the tv channels that the tv uh companies did uh scheduled this game as their 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 whiteout but i'm glad it is michigan has penn state at noon in november so mm. much rather play them at noon than at night in that environment i have uh ptsd from that saquon game when he took the first play from scrimmage 75 yards for a touchdown and that one was over from there house yeah so uh, and and though the fact that those Penn State teams with Saquon didn't make a didn't make a playoff. I mean, ugh, they were loaded. Trace McSorley, he's a dog. Trace he's McSorley, a dog, but no, enough of Penn State. Who you got this weekend? You got your Buckeyes as the game of the week? <laughs> not my, certainly not my Buckeyes. I've been going back and forth on who to pick in this game, but yeah, my game of the week is obviously Ohio State going to South Bend to face Notre Dame Saturday night. Um, Game of the season for Notre Dame, you know, if they want to, if they want to, kind of prove to the to the playoff committee that they're worthy, they have to win this game. Ohio State has other opportunities on their schedule. Obviously, Penn State and Michigan, and even a Wisconsin game on the road to show the committee that they're playoff worthy. So I think Notre Dame needs this one a lot more than Ohio State needs it. I think Ohio State can rebound even if they lose this game. They obviously played last year in the shoe week one Labor Day. Ohio State won twenty one to ten in a slugfest. Uh, interestingly enough, Notre Dame's quarterbacks last year in that game were Tyler Buckner, who's now benched at Alabama, and uh, Drew Pine, who came into the game against Fresno State for for Arizona State. He's at Arizona State, and he he was awful last weekend and, and proceeded to get benched. And they they have a chance this year because they have Sam Hartman, the transfer from Wake Forest. Uh, he's been great this year: seventy one percent completion rate, thirteen touchdowns, no picks on the season in four games. He did bang up his ankle a little bit in, in an awkward tackle against Central Michigan over the weekend, uh, but he should be fine. I don't; he's not listed on the injury report or anything. Um, but you know, he offers a different dynamic to this Notre Dame passing attack and this offense in general that they didn't have last year heading into the shoot. You know, Notre Dame could beat you in multiple ways, unlike last season. Like I said, they they don't really have a wide receiver one, which is is a bit of a cost for concern for me. You know, they haven't really played anyone good so far. So the passing attack has been able to get going, but now that they're going up against a really good Ohio State secondary led by Denzel Burke and Lathan Ransom, uh, as well as you know an elite defensive line with JT Toliamalu, it's hard name to pronounce, uh, defensive end Michael Hall, um, and, and also Tommy Arkenberg at an off-ball linebacker. Like Ohio State's defense is loaded. It's not as good as like the Joey Bosa, Chase Allen, um, or what's his name? Chase Chase Young. Sorry, not Chase Allen. Um, defenses, but it, it's still loaded. Uh, this is going to be the biggest test for Notre Dame so far this season and and, and this season in general. Um, Ohio State looked really good in their tune-up against Western Kentucky, a really good Western Kentucky program. Um, they, they dominated them, only allowed 10 points to, to w, uh, WKU offense that uh, is amongst the highest scoring in all of the country. Um, Notre Dame really needs their linebacker JT Bertrand to come back after suffering a concussion against NC State. 
Uh, they they love to to blitz defensive Al Golden. Defensive coordinator Al, Al Golden's a big proponent of sending those inside linebackers on blitzes. So there's a lot there's a lot going on in this game. I've gone back and forth, but ultimately I, my pick is is Ohio State to win. I don't know if they're going to cover the three. Uh, it's obviously a tough test for Colin McCord, but I, I just think they have a, a lot more talent than Notre Dame. Uh, it shows in the recruiting rankings. It shows on the field. Their defense, uh, it's the best defense that Notre Dame's faced so far this year, uh, like I said. And I just don't know if those receivers are going to get be able to get enough separation to, to, to you know, kind of benefit Sam Hartman. And what's been the biggest knock on Notre Dame as we've seen them in big playoff games uh, in, in previous years is they don't have the athletes that, to match up against these big-name programs. And I feel like that's going to show, again, in South Bend, even though Notre Dame has home field advantage in this one. But I'm really looking forward to it. I think the Bucks win it. Yeah, we said it last week. They got to get that tune-up right against Western Kentucky, and they sure did. Cal McCord looked unbelievable. The Whiteouts were were rolling as expected. So Ohio State looks good coming in. Um, if McCord can show up, he's got the the playmakers, the talent, like you said, on Ohio State, a big program. Um, you're a Notre Dame fan, though. There's there's reason for optimism. This is probably your best shot at taking yep. these guys down of any season. Sam Hartman leading the charge. Outside of that ankle injury, he couldn't be playing any better, I feel like, right now. So as long as he can take what's there, don't make mistakes, don't force the ball in this game. If you do, Ohio State will make you pay. Win the turnover battle. They need things to go right in this game, but they're at home. So um, it's a three-point line. Um, so whichever side you're on, if you like it, I think you love your line at this point because Ohio State gets rolling and, and Notre Dame gets behind and makes mistakes. Like they could, It could get out of hand or vice versa. Um, we'll see if Notre Dame's got this veteran leadership um, coming around and I think the big part will be at home. But um, I think you got to lean Ohio State um, just with how Notre Dame sometimes shows up in these big time games. But um, what a heck of a game! Yeah. What a game! What is it? Number three versus number six, or what are the rankings right now? Like, ugh, like four versus. It might be six versus nine. I, I'll look it up. Uh, six versus nine or something. But I mean, unbelievable game either way. So I'm excited. I mean, Sam Hartman gives them as good of a chance as they're going to have um, at quarterback, and that's why they brought him in. Yeah. This is the game they brought him in for right here at home versus Ohio State. Yeah, it's six versus nine uh, this weekend. And you mentioned Notre Dame being a veteran-leading team. That's that's absolutely true. You know, the secondary might not have NFL talent or uh, you know the talent that Ohio State has, but they are veterans. The defensive line, same thing you you could say. So uh, they do have one of the best offensive tackles in the country uh, at, at Notre Dame, uh, NFL draft prospect. Can't God, his name's slipping me. The offensive linemen uh, are hard to remember, um, but. They should be able to get the running game going um, th- this weekend uh, against Ohio State if they want to have any chance at, at, at winning this one. Um, I'm just pulling up him now. Uh, Joe Alt. Yeah, Audric. Joe Alt. Yeah, Joe Alt. Audric is steam on the ground for Notre Dame. That's going to be a huge, yeah. um, huge guy to watch for them. If they can get the run game going, control the clock. Keep this ball out of Kyle McCord's hands looking for Marvin Harrison Jr. and the rest of that wide receiver core. Be veterans, take what's there, run the clock, play into the crowd, um, do whatever you can to to get those little advantages in this game against Ohio State because they can take the top off the defense and score in a heartbeat. Yeah. This is the biggest game at Notre Dame Stadium in, in my lifetime, I think. So I expect the crowd to be rocking. They're going to have that advantage, and that's going to be a really tough environment for Colin McCord to come in as, as you know in his first year starting. So – that's kind of the Notre Dame argument. They probably have the better quarterback heading into this one. They certainly have the more experienced quarterback. It's his 50th career start, Sam Hartman. So he has the experience. 
but he hasn't played in a game this big. He has not. He never played in a game this big when he's at Wake Forest, uh, and, and there's going to be a lot of pressure on him heading into this one. So it's going to be it's going to be a really fun one to watch on Saturday night uh, in South Bend. But I'm going with the Bucks to win. I don't know if I'd take them on the three. I could see them winning by two points. So yeah, tough one. I I think I lean Ohio State right now. That could sway late in the week when we put the picks out. But uh, lovely game for for Saturday this week. Either way. Absolutely. All right. Upset of the week. Where are you going this week? Give me the Cougars. They do it again. They were dogs at Arkansas. They took down the Hogs. Now they're going their dogs up at Kansas in Big 12 play. Kansas, a favorite versus BYU. Give me them. 285 plus 285 at Kansas. A couple other games I like this week, but I like the Cougars, man. I think Keaton Slovis is getting it done. I just talked about Sam Hartman. Being a veteran, same thing here for BYU. I don't think it'll be the same atmosphere as they just played in Fayetteville. It's going to be easier for them going up there. But now they're battle-tested. They're ready to go. They're sneaky. You know, they always got playmakers. So I like the Cougars this week at Kansas, plus 285. I've got a couple sprinkles for you. My game of the week, Iowa. Just a sprinkle. I don't even like them to win, but just sprinkle them. They're plus 500 money line. You got Colorado. Again, they're Mm. massive underdogs, but they're plus 800 and... Just remember a couple weeks ago what they did at TCU with a line similar to that. So don't get burned twice missing out on that. And uh, my group of five, Bowling Green versus Ohio, just a random one plus 425. Ohio just knocked off Iowa State. Um, and I think Bowling Green can uh, can come back around and, and uh, kind of get them in a trap game here. But biggest thing for me is King Kedon and the BYU Cougars knocking off Kansas Jayhawks. Love, love that pick, the BYU one. Um, Kansas struggled at Nevada. On Saturday night, 31-24, they pulled that one out. Nevada's 0-3. Nevada lost to Idaho. Nevada's a really bad football team, and Kansas struggled with them. Now they're coming all the way back to Kansas, uh, across the country flight, or you know, halfway across the country flight, and they're facing a a really good BYU team that that beat an SEC opponent on the road last week. So I love that pick. Uh, Iowa, I think I would take the plus 14 if you're going Iowa money line sprinkle. Sure, if you, if you're really feeling it, uh, fair enough. And yeah, I love. Why not, man? We don't know what this Colorado team can do. I don't think Vegas really knows how to handle their games. The, the- they could lose by 40, or they could somehow win this ball game. But it's like plus 800. Like, it was there earlier in the season. I didn't take it. I don't want to get burned again. Yeah, they, they've gone from 21-point underdogs against TCU to three-point favorites against Nebraska to 24-point favorites against Colorado State to 21-point underdogs against Oregon. I don't really think Vegas knows how to approach this Colorado team. So yeah. if you believe in them, and I know they're without Travis Hunter this weekend, take them. But I ultimately think if I had to make a pick for that game, I think Bo Nix runs wild, and I, I think Oregon covers the spread. Uh, and Colorado finally has a little bit of a letdown game um, heading into their game in Week 5 against USC. My upset of the week pick, and shout-out to Alden Caraway, listener of the pod, fellow – or not fellow – Memphis alum. I did not go to Memphis. I, fellow Memphian, though, obviously. Uh, he's he's the biggest Memphis fan I know, man. He's been with them from when they were 1-11 to 2-10. To he's been riding with them. And, and he, he tends to be on the optimistic side. So he, kinda, he kind of uh, talked me into this pick. But he's loving Memphis plus 250 against Missouri this weekend. So I'm taking it too. This game's in St. Louis. The main reason I think Memphis can win this football game is because it's a huge letdown spot for Missouri. Coming off that huge win against Kansas State, now they're going to St. Louis. So 
still a home game, kind of. It's technically a home game, but it's not in Columbia. Um, Memphis, long week, you know, extra rest. They played Navy last Thursday, won that one. Always tough to play Navy. They took care of business. It was close in the fourth quarter, uh, but they did get the win. Running back Blake Watson is a senior transfer from Old Dominion. He's a player to watch. Uh, he had a really good game. Tough fumble at the goal line last week, um, but I really like him. I think he he's kind of one of those Memphis guys that Memphis produce skill guys in the NFL. Anthony Miller, uh, Tony Pollard. They they they've been churning out NFL talent. I think he could be next in line for the Tigers. Um, he had ten carries last week against Navy in a win. I expect him to play well. If Memphis is going to win this game, they're going to need a better game from their quarterback, Seth Hennigan. Uh, he has five touchdowns and three picks on the season. Didn't look great against Navy. Uh, he's going to have to step up against SEC competition if they want to win this game. But I love the spot for the Tigers. You know, this, anytime Memphis plays an SEC team, the fan base gets into it. The team treats it as their Super Bowl. And I just think Missouri's going to kind of come into this game sleepwalking. You know, the, in between a huge win against K-State and SEC play, they might overlook Memphis. And I think the Tigers get it done this weekend in St. Louis. I like that tick. The hometown boys, the Tigers, man. So... Um, I think you're right. It'd be a letdown game for Mizzou, coming off a huge win over K-State. Uh, Memphis is rolling here. You know, Seth Hennigan on that Henny. He's got to step it up and have a big game for them there. But, uh, no, I like I like that pick. I almost wish the line was even better. Like, they're, Vegas is kind of on Memphis. Like, they're on to this line, I yeah. feel like. Vegas recognizes a trap game when they see it, and this is, this is a trap game for Mizzou. Interestingly enough, Memphis has uh, Boise State next weekend, too, so another tough game for them. I think we got to get Alden on the pod if if Memphis takes care of business, take takes care of business against uh, against the Tigers this weekend. Under yeah. under the radar game. I mean, there's a lot this week, but where are you looking? There are so many games that go under the radar just because of the slate this week. Um, one that honestly could have been game day. A lot of other weeks would be two top twenty five teams matching up against each other. It's Utah. It's the Utes at home. Welcoming the Bruins of UCLA. Utah's a four and a half point favorite. Cam Rising has not played this season, but it looks like he's trending to come back for this game, which they would definitely need him. I think that line changes if he does not play, but it looks like he will play. Um, so love this game. I mean, Utah's a dangerous place to play, um, but both teams are three and all. They're both ranked right now. It's going to be a huge game for them going into the rest of the Pac 12 loaded conference this year. Um, so look at that. If Cam Rising's back, I love the veteran leadership. We'll see if he's any if there's any rust though. Yeah, that's going to be uh, a big thing for them coming out of the gates here. That was, um, but you can see, I, that that's yeah, just a note ahead. for me is like Nate Johnson, the the backup quarterback's done a great job for Utah. You know this season so far, and incorporating a Cam Rising coming back off a off a torn ACL in, in a big game against UCLA at home conference play. They're only four and a half point favorites. Uh, I don't know. I mean. Nate Johnson hasn't done anything to prove that he can't be the starter uh, or he shouldn't be the starter, but also Cam Rising is is clearly their QB1 if if all th- if all were healthy heading into the season. So, interesting situation there. Um and there's no, you know, there's no Weber State for him to ease back into play. So, um that that's one to watch that just that quarterback situation uh for Utah. I'm glad this game's at home for them. Not that UCLA is really a tough place to play, uh, but uh You'd rather have this game at home than on the road. Yeah, yeah. So I still like Utah if Cam Rising plays. But look at Carson Steele for UCLA. They've had a great first couple weeks of the season. They're 3-0. He's the transfer running back from Ball State. And he can carry the load for them, um, take pressure off the rest of this team, and 
and play Utah's game. Um, they can pull one out here going to the rest of the season. But huge game, I mean, for both of these teams. Once coming out 4-0, it's going to be massive. And Dante Moore, quarterback for UCLA, one to watch. Replacing Dorian Thompson-Robinson, his first year as the starter. He's been really good so far. Uh, this is his first big test. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to be really curious to see how he fares uh, going to Utah. Again, a really tough place to play. Electrifying place to play. He's an electri- electrifying player. Um, Whittingham's a, a veteran coach. Look for him to bring pressure, bring blitzes on him. Try to force him into bad decisions as a young quarterback. Absolutely. All right, what, what other games uh, are on your list? There are so many. It's crazy. There's Oregon State going at Wazoo. Yep. Love that game. Two top 25 teams. Florida State at Clemson, we would have thought a month ago, was going to be the game of the week yep. here. Um, Florida State had trouble playing with BC last week. Clemson looked good. Um, they're still unranked, but big game. Um, at Clemson there, Colorado at Oregon, we mentioned Ole Miss at Bama, Arkansas at LSU, Texas goes at Baylor, who's having a down year, but could be a trap game. Like that one. Um, Auburn at Texas A&M, both those teams need a win in the SEC moving forward. And UNC at Pitt, not as, you know, probably the least one of this, this, uh, slate, but thought that was a cool game. So just a lot of really good, respectable games, high level games that preseason looked amazing. Um, a lot of other weeks would have been college game day games of the week. So a really fun slate. Pitt, Pitt looked awful against uh, against West Virginia last week. Yeah. And UNC, Drake May looked good against Minnesota. Uh, against Minnesota so uh, Look for Drake May to light him up. And I mean, he's not the Heisman contender we thought he would be, but look for him to light him up and get back on track, I think. Yeah. I obviously, for my picks, I obviously echo all of those. Really excited to see DJU go to Wazoo and face Cam Ward. That's a really good quarterback matchup, man. There's so many good quarterbacks in the Pac-12 this year. It's it's baffling. That That's QB mm-hmm. conference. Uh, so that's that's another one. I think that's a 230 game. Uh, so stay tuned for that one. My, I'm going to go a little bit off the beaten path just because I know uh, you kind of went through the main ones. Oklahoma at Cincinnati. Cincinnati coming off a tough loss at home against Miami, Ohio. Now host Oklahoma, uh, led by Dylan Gabriel. Looked really good last weekend. Uh, dominated uh, uh, who they play. I think it was Tulsa. They they killed them. Yeah. Uh, and then Oklahoma State, Iowa State, I mentioned earlier, just kind of the battle of two programs in really tough spots right now. Memphis at Mizzou, Texas at Baylor. Unfortunately, Blake Shapin's still out for the for the Bears. Uh, but that game's at night, and Texas didn't look great this week last weekend. And that Alabama win might not be as impressive as we we once thought it was. So trap game for them. I think they'll be more prepared for it than they were for Wyoming. Uh, and then also UCF at Kansas State. UCF's first Big 12 game. They're six and a half point dogs. Kansas State's disappointed after losing at Missouri. Or, yeah, at Missouri. And UCF led by John Reese Plumley picked up a nice win over Boise State a couple weeks ago. Uh, like I said, first Big 12 game. They're going to be hyped up. They're plus 195 on the money line. And I think they can pull that one out. Um, uh, against against K State, so stay tuned for that one as well. But those are my kind of under the radar games to watch this weekend. Yeah, a lot of sneaky games, a lot of fun games this week. So you can flip them on at any time of the day, and there's going to be fun battles going on. Great, great week for the YouTube TV multi view, the, the the four quad box there. Uh, I wish they let you pick the four games you wanted on there. I mean, yeah. they give really good like four options on multiple ways, but it's like if you're already given so many options, you just let people pick what they want on each screen, but still really cool that they do it in the first place. Do, do you have, I don't have the Sunday ticket, but I've heard they don't let you pick for the Sunday ticket either. Mm, I have Sunday ticket, but I haven't really been looking at that one. Okay. Um, 
I don't think they let you pick. You can pick what game you want to watch, but not really what you're putting on the screen. Okay. Yeah, I, I wish they could do that. Uh, they would allow you to do that too. Maybe it has something to do with just the channels. Like you could theoretically pull in like a USA and maybe like a USA isn't in the contract for the multi-view. I don't know. That's like one reason that comes to mind. I, I have no idea if, if that's the case, but just a theory. All right. Your betting lock of the week. Last week you were high on, on the on the balls, but you're still two and one on the season. Much better than my 0-3. I'm becoming the fade god here. I had a really brutal loss. Florida State minus 14. They they came out uh, and uh, in the start of the second half and took like a 21 point lead. But of course they didn't do that in the first half against Boston College. Game ended up being close, uh, but tough loss for me. You went with the with the balls and lost that one. Where are you looking this week for your lack of the week? The Vols, the Vols breaking the lock for me. I was on a roll, but give me NC State and the Wolfpack at UVA. UVA is atrocious this year. It was like 10-10 versus Maryland in like the second quarter, I think, before half. And I live bet Maryland because Maryland ended up winning like 42-10 to because UVA is not playing like a Power 5 team this year. Uh, They lost to in-state, I guess you'd call now a rivalry, James Madison. Um, so nine and a half point favorite NC state. I think Devin Leary, um, the old quarterback at Kentucky, um, beats the brakes off of them. So give me NC state minus nine and a half as my lock of the week. And then let's go into the shop. I've got some other sprinkles for you. I already said my upside of the week's BYU. So easy, put that on the plus nine or money line for those guys. Um, I like Florida state money line versus Clemson, Colorado plus 21 sprinkle the money line. Wazoo to win and UNC to cover as well. So a um, couple of good ones there for sprinkles and then just throw the lock, put the mortgage on NC State, minus nine and a half at UVA. Yeah, I think UVA and Arizona State, uh, they're in a battle for the worst power five teams this year. Obviously, Northwestern is in that conversation as well. Vanderbilt's actually, well, Vanderbilt lost to UNLV. So Vanderbilt's in that conversation too. Um, but UVA is really, really bad this year. So, yeah, I like that pick, even though the game's in Charlottesville. Uh, they looked awful against Maryland last weekend. My lock of the week, I'm going with the Alabama Crimson Tide, minus seven against the Ole Miss Rebels in Tuscaloosa. I just think this is the classic Nick Saban get-right game. Uh, they had the players-only meeting after the after the game last week. Jalen Milrow now knows he's the starting quarterback moving forward. There's no more Tyler Buckner. There's no more Ty Simpson. He's the guy moving forward. I expect the offensive line to hold themselves to a high standard and, and uh, be better uh, against the against the Rebels. Oldest did not impress me against Tulane. Uh, Tulane was 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 without their starting quarterback. And I just think if you're an Ole Miss, it's it's not the week you want to play Alabama. They're pissed off uh, after a, a tough game against USF last weekend, and I think they're going to show their true colors this weekend. So I'm going with Alabama minus seven. I also like Rutgers plus 24 at Michigan. I hope Michigan Ooh. still wins the game, obviously. Um, but I do think Michigan just isn't the type of team to blow teams out, especially with the new running clock. Michigan obviously loves to run the football with Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards, uh, Isaiah Stokes as well. I, I just think um, they're going to run the ball against Rutgers. Rutgers is good too. So I think this game might be 21 points. I don't know if it'll be four touchdowns. So I'll go with Rutgers. Um, and I, I think Oregon wins. I think Oregon covers. So I take Oregon minus 21 love Florida state Monday line. I think they handle Clemson this weekend. I think, uh, the books are kind of overinflating Clemson 
and kind of putting too much stock into that weird loss or not weird loss, weird close win over Boston College last weekend. So I think Florida State takes care of business in Death Valley. Really big advantage that that game's at noon and not at night. Uh, and I like Oregon State. Uh, I think it's minus two and a half. I think DJU gets the job done in Wazoo. And I also, I'll echo your UNC minus seven pick because I think you, uh, Pitt is, is really bad. So like those picks as well. Yeah, some lines we can definitely take advantage of this week, but a lot of games to take a look at. Money line, underdogs, spreads on the road. Uh, times, I mean, like you said, when the game is at, it's big for, you know, teams like um, like Florida State at Clemson. That's huge. It's not at night. Yeah. All right. Uh, a few players to watch for this week. We obviously put these in our graphics that we tweet out or post on Instagram every Friday. Uh, who are you watching this week? I got a few. I'll be in person. So I got to go with an LSU guy. I think, you know, the easy one would be um, Jaden Daniels. But I'm going to go Malik Neighbors. He lit up Mississippi State last week. And then he does the same to Arkansas. Uh, Quinchon Junkins, Judkins for Ole Miss. If they're going to have any chance. He's got to light it up versus Alabama. Yep. Um, Cade McNamara. Iowa said earlier, yep. this game is about you transferred Iowa. This game right here. Um, a lot of other quarterbacks this weekend. But last one I'll pick would be Sam Hartman for Notre Dame. Veteran quarterback, veteran leadership. Same thing as Cade. You know, you went to Notre Dame for this game right here and, and give the fight in Irish a, a chance to win at home versus Ohio State. Yep. I agree with all those. I'm going uh, Bo Nix first. I mean, they, they didn't have a tough game at Texas Tech, but the, the the eyes of the entire nation, as we now know with the TV ratings, is going to be on this game. And I think Bo Nix puts on a show. So he's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Sam Hartman as well. That's a huge one. Uh, you know, that's again, that's why he came to Notre Dame. You're right. I uh, talked about that game a little bit earlier. Uh, Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle for Penn State, going to be a top five pick, like I said. And, and just that Penn State game, the, the Penn State running game in general. Um, Iowa is obviously a much better defense than Illinois. So this is kind of their first big test this this year. And I'll be really curious to see how Fashanu and those running backs uh, do against uh, a stout Iowa defense. Uh, and then also Cade Stover, the tight end from Ohio State. I'm watching him because... All the attention is going to be on Marvin Harrison Jr. and uh, Emeka Abuka at wide receiver at Ohio State. But I expect Kate Stover to kind of be open here in this game. Uh, a couple slips under the coverage, under the uh, under the cover two, cover three, whatever it may be, uh, especially with those linebackers blitzing. We know Notre Dame loves to blitz those linebackers. So I expect Kate Stover to have a big game for the Buckeyes, um, and, and he's one to watch for me. Yeah, be that safety blanket for Kyle McCord. He's going to need someone to go to if there's pressure and blitzes there and he can't get the ball out. So um, if you can find those spaces, and that'll be that'll be key for them to, to have a veteran guy like him step up. Uh, yep, absolutely. Uh, give me your just some other picks. Since the slate is so loaded, let's give our, our uh, some picks for all these big games. Uh, where, where are you leaving yeah. here? Yeah, I like Florida State. That line's so nice. I mean, Clemson's not even ranked right now. Why are they only three-point underdogs? So I like Florida State. OU over Cincy. I actually like Wazoo and Cam Ward at home to knock off DJ and Oregon State. Um, Texas over Baylor. Upside of the week's BYU over KU. Um, I do like Oregon to win still, but I like that spread for Colorado. Wisconsin, sneaky game. Got to yeah. bounce back against Purdue. And then UNC over Pitt. So, so many games to talk about, but just a few picks there. You, you rolling with Ole Miss, or sorry, you rolling with Bama over Ole Miss? I haven't decided. Okay. I haven't decided. If I need to give an answer right now, give me the running Rebels. Give me the running Rebels right now. That's UNLV. Oh, that's that's UNLV. 
<laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Um, still give me the reps. Yeah. Still give me the reps. Um, that could change later when we put the graphic out. But if you had to pick me right now, I like him. I like Jackson Dart going into a tough environment and showing out. Fair enough. I'm going Florida State over Clemson. Uh, Oklahoma over Cincy. Cincy covers the 14. Oregon State over Wazoo, like I said. Texas over Baylor, but Baylor covers the 14. Kansas over BYU in a close one. Utah over UCLA, um, although I think UCLA can stay in that one with Dante Moore. Uh, Oregon over Colorado, big. Uh, Wisconsin beats Purdue, but Purdue covers, I think that line's up to eight now. Um, so that, that's, that's, that's on Friday night, I believe, actually. Uh, Penn State yeah. over Iowa. Could be close. I, I I don't really know spread wise for that one, but I think Penn State wins the game. Uh, yeah. I think Texas A&M beats Auburn pretty easily, um, and yeah, I think those are all those are all the big ones. But I mean, it's it's loaded. It's one of those days where you sit down and you don't get up and you watch football all day. You'll obviously be enjoying the LSU Arkansas game on Saturday night, so stay tuned for that one. I'm excited. Uh, I'll be sure to check or watch it a little bit on TV. You gotta definitely send me some some picks, some snaps uh, of the facilities of the atmosphere in general. So I can post them up on, on the IG story. For sure. Yeah. We'll be checking out LSU you now down South and Baton Rouge down the Bayou, um, but going to see the facilities. It's a night game, which is cool. We'll be tailgating. We'll get to, you know, watch some of these other earlier games too. Um, see what happens there and then check out New Orleans as well. So really excited and uh, go Tigers. Go Tigers. That's a great way to end this one. Joe, Thanks for coming on as always. So excited. Could not be more excited for, for this weekend's games. Can we fast forward to, to Saturday already? Um, but thanks as always. Uh, any, any last words before we get out? Unbelievable slate. Throw these games on the TV. Put a little cash in the, in the bank account with DraftKings. Find some lines to bet. Let's get it. Let's get it. All right. Thank you all for listening to this episode. We'll catch you guys on the next one. Peace out. Peace out.